Creativity tip number 21. Think less, play more. As we grow up, from childhood through adolescence and into our young adulthood, there are countless sacrifices that the world demands of us. It's something that happens gradually and largely through the correcting mechanisms of culture, such as the need to fit in, or a passing judgmental comment from a peer, or even unspoken social etiquette. We sacrifice who we were as a child to be allowed admittance to the sovereignty of adulthood. But some of these sacrifices are done to our detriment, especially the detriment of our creativity. Across roughly 15 years of schooling, of sitting still at our desks like good little boys and girls, we are all discouraged from the two most natural behaviors of childhood, fantasy and play. Now, these behaviors are really two sides of the same coin. Play is a physical act of creativity. It's a freedom defined by minimal structure. And fantasy, or daydream, is like an act of play for your mind. Fantasy is a mental act of creativity, also a freedom defined by minimal structure. Over the years of growing up, both are increasingly discouraged, relative to how close you are to adulthood. Isn't that funny? The closer you are to being an adult in the real world, the less society wants you to daydream and be playful. But how does this happen? Well, when little Tommy stares out of the window and the teacher corrects him by saying, come back down to earth, Tommy, what does that do to his inclination for daydreaming? Maybe not much the first time, but how about the hundredth time across a decade? These corrections happen to us all, from kindergarten through college. In the land of adulthood, there are only two activities in which we are encouraged to play. Sex and video games. That's it. Why do you think people love both so much? They give us permission to play. We even use terms in both that allude to this. There's sex toys, for example. What do you do with toys? You play with them. And in video games, at some point we've all seen the phrase, ready to play? Are you player one or player two? We need play. It provides a relief from the rigid structures of life. Play is that healthy dose of chaos that reconnects us to the present moment. It's also why we love puppies so much. Those clumsy bundles of fun are an open invitation to play. For a passing moment, to be a child again, to set our responsibilities aside for a bit, and have this small window of time where we can truly express ourselves before going back to the grind. And that's adulthood. Kind of depressing, right? But then something happens when you become a parent. You relearn how to play, because you have to. Your child demands that of you. You now have an excuse to lay on the floor and play with Legos, or to play hide-and-seek for 30 minutes. <laughs> God forbid you did that as an adult without a kid, right? Whenever my daughter asks me to play a game with her, I always say yes, unless I'm doing something like rushing to leave for work or making food. But the reason I always say yes is because I know how much the outside world will eventually discourage her from being playful. For example, she's eight right now, and the other day, she came into the room and said, let's have a dance battle. Now, mind you, I don't consider myself a great dancer, so I paused and remembered that I always try to say yes. I pushed back from my work desk and I said, great, show me what to do. She turned on the song Cupid, twin version, by the K-pop girl group 5050. Now, I'd never heard of this song before, but I kept an open mind. And you know what? For the next 15 minutes, <laughs> we had a great time. Plus... I learned a few new dance moves. So how do we relate play to creativity? Well, we first need to define what play is. Okay, 
Let's try. It's when you play... Wait, no. It's a playful game with minimum rules. Hold on, I, you can't define play by using playful. It's a certain spirit and freedom of movement. Hmm. It's kind of hard to define. Let's check the dictionary. Merriam-Webster defines play as a noun, a recreational activity, especially the spontaneous activity of children. Oh, geez. Here we go again. It's only for kids, huh? <laughs> and now we've come full circle. We've hit a roadblock. It's difficult to define play. As the author Stephen Nachmanovich says, the difficulty lies in the fact that we are trying to discuss something of which everyone has a good intuitive grasp, but little or nothing in the way of concepts that lend themselves to articulation." Unquote. Stephen Nachmanovich is an author and educator who has written extensively on play and improvisation. I found the best definition of play in his book, Free Play. In it, he writes, Play is always a matter of context. It is not what we do, but how we do it. Play cannot be defined, because in play, all definitions slither, dance, combine, break apart, and recombine. The mood of play can be impish or supremely solemn. When the most challenging labors are undertaken from the joyous work spirit, they are play. In play, we manifest fresh, interactive ways of relating with people, animals, things, ideas, images, and ourselves. It flies in the face of social hierarchies. We toss together elements that were formerly separate. Our actions take on novel sequences. To play is to free ourselves from arbitrary restrictions and expand our field of action. Our play fosters richness of response and adaptive flexibility. This is the evolutionary value of play. Play makes us flexible. By reinterpreting reality and begetting novelty, we keep from becoming rigid. Play enables us to rearrange our capacities and our very identity so that they can be used in unforeseen ways." Unquote. To reiterate, play is always a matter of context. It is not what we do, but how we do it. In the same book, titled Free Play, Nachmanovich professes, play is intrinsically satisfying. It's also useful to get some perspective on play from people that play for a living, such as musicians, specifically those who improvise elements of their music, because true improvisation is play. The famous violinist Stefan Grappelli, who often played jazz with Django Reinhardt, said this on the topic. Improvisation. It is a mystery. You can write a book about it, but by the end, still no one knows what it is. When I improvise and I'm in good form, I'm like somebody half-sleeping. I even forget there are people in front of me. Great improvisers are like priests. They are thinking only of their God." Unquote. Artists seem to intuitively understand that there is a link between creativity and play. Even the atonal composer Arnold Schoenberg wrote this on the topic. Composing is a slowed-down improvisation. Often, one cannot write fast enough to keep up with the stream of ideas." Unquote. When you look at the life stories of great composers, this holds true, such as Frédéric Chopin. I remember reading accounts from his partner, Georges Sand, which detailed how Chopin would sit at the piano and endlessly improvise and only occasionally write down his best ideas. We often assume that art forms, like classical music, come about from some highly intellectualized posturing and furrowing of brows 
But in reality, all of the greatest pieces of music come from improvisation, which is then elaborated on through technique and intellect. This may be why when we are being creative, we feel the inclination to close the door, because we want to give ourselves the freedom to play without being judged. To be seen is to be judged. In play, we risk both failure and greatness. Which brings us to a quote from Dr. Carl Jung. It seems that we can never get too far in this show before circling back to Jung, but this quote is just too damn good to pass up. In the book, Psychological Types, Jung writes, The creation of something new is not accomplished by the intellect, but by the play instinct, acting from inner necessity. The creative mind plays with the objects it loves. Unquote. Jung tells us that it's not pure intellect which creates something new and meaningful, but rather the compulsion for play, acting from some inner need or motivation. This faculty for creative play is then directed through the objects or medium that the artist loves. This is a beautiful reframing of what we are taught about great artists, inventors, and designers. We see their finished masterpiece, but not the acts of play that led to it. To quote Jung again, the creation of something new is not accomplished by the intellect, but by the play instinct, acting from inner necessity." Unquote. And so, now we have a much richer picture of play and its role in the creative process. But how can you apply this insight into your daily life? How can you think less and play more? It's simple. You have to set aside time to play. Set aside between 30 minutes to an hour in which you can play with your medium, the objects you love, as Jung says, and follow what feels good. Let your curiosity guide you. Waste some paint. Use up a roll of film on lighting experiments. Try some spices you've never used on a new dish. Let the clay guide the movement of your hands. Perhaps write a song in a style you hate. Type your thoughts without a filter. Assume that what you are doing might fail, and know that that's not the point. Play isn't about winning or losing. It's about the spirit of discovery. Here's one way I practice this. There are times when, as a composer, I'm working on a new project, but I don't have all the themes fleshed out yet, so I give myself some room to play. In my audio program, Logic Pro in this case, I create a separate session I call Playground. This is equally my laboratory and my play area. Let's say I'm working on writing music for a film. I will have that film synced in my audio session, and as it plays, I'll improvise ideas on my piano while watching it. Some of these ideas I'll record to come back to later, but the initial energy of the playground session is just to have some fun, explore the moods, melodies, tones, and rhythms, and see how they interact with the film. Some of it works, some of it doesn't. I sometimes do the same thing if I'm writing music for Creative Codex. I'll have a playground session where I just try out new instruments I haven't used before, do random sketches, and at times even improvise under my own recorded voiceover. In the end, half of these ideas probably never see the light of day. And you can do the same thing with any medium. Set aside your playground time and just explore your medium for a bit. Let your curiosity guide you. And remember, play is intrinsically satisfying. So if nothing else, you'll have a great time doing it. We need to reframe our expectations about the primacy of our intellect in the creative process. 
To be a great artist requires a great capacity to play. In closing, think less, play more. Thank you for listening. This has been Creativity Tip number 21. If you liked what you heard, share it with a good friend, and perhaps set up a play date while you're at it. If you'd like to hear all the Creativity Tip minisodes, please consider becoming a supporter of Creative Codex on my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash mjdorian. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash m-j-d-o-r-i-a-n. There, you'll also find extra episodes not available in the main feed, as well as a brand new monthly series I'm excited to be starting. It's called Red Book Reading. This is a full reading of Dr. Carl Jung's Red Book. Yes, from beginning to end, complete with original music and sound design. You won't find anyone else doing this anywhere else. I've looked for it. It's an enormous undertaking, but I feel it's important and meaningful work. I'm recording it one chapter at a time, and releasing them once per month. If you've ever attempted to read the Red Book and noticed yourself getting a bit lost, this is for you. Or if you've read the entire Red Book, but feel like you probably missed a few of the insights along the way, this is also for you. Chapter 1 is already available for free, so check it out at patreon.com forward slash mjdorian. The link for that is also in the episode description. The following chapters will only be available as a thank you to supporters in the $5 and up tiers. And I thank you in advance for that. The next episode will be part three of Carl Jung and Alchemy. Can't wait to show you what I've dug up on this one. Be sure to have your bell notifications on for that. This is Creative Codex. I am your host, MJ Dorian. Until next time, think less, play more.